The makers of epic pure sunflower oil, purine and pret cooking fat, yum yum peanut butter, maple margarine and niblet's cheese twists present the epic casebook. In which Inspector Carr investigates. Good evening. It will not have escaped the notice of regular listeners to my casebook of crime that there are clearly defined organizations to deal with matters of British security. Now, when I say security, I don't just mean it in its generally accepted sense, that is, safeguarding the military and political secrets necessary to a country's defense. I mean security in all its ramifications. Keeping a country and its people secure from the effects of lawlessness, industrial unrest, economic upheaval. From time to time, my stories have featured the ramifications of MI5, or the Special Branch. Yet, despite opinion to the contrary, any death where murder is suspected is handled by the Criminal Investigation Department of a police force, and not by what are commonly known as the Cloak and Dagger Boys, even if the persons concerned are known to be actively engaged in political or diplomatic negotiations of the most confidential nature. Why all this? Because the story I'm going to tell you tonight concerns the death of someone who, in his lifetime, became one of Britain's most distinguished foreign office officials. His name was Sir Roland Makepeace. I've called my story The Threads of Death. The unusual aspect of Sir Roland Makepeace's death can be gauged from the way operations brought matters to my notice. Car? Operations here, Inspector. No, who's been murdered this time? Well, sir, we don't know that he has been murdered. He? Uh, who in the name of goodness is he? And if a murder hasn't been reported, why are you telephoning the duty officer of the murder squad? Well, sir, it was first reported to the Foreign Office. Foreign office? Yes, sir. We've just had a Mr. William Banbury from the Foreign Office on the line. He's coming down to see you, sir. Hmm. Mr. Banbury, is he? That's right, sir. Seems as though there's some doubt as to whether the man found dead was murdered or committed suicide. You may have heard of him, sir. His name is Sir Roland Makepeace. Makepeace? Oh, yes, yes. I've uh, seen his name in the newspapers. How is he killed, you know? No, sir. Wouldn't give any more information. Well, if he wouldn't, he wouldn't. All we can do is await his arrival. Mr. William Banbury could not have been bettered as the epitome of the British Foreign Office official. Tall, with a slightly stooping academic air and a deceptively slow manner of speech, he painted a word picture that was succinctly clear in a matter of minutes. The servant found Sir Roland hanging from a rope less than 30 minutes ago. Now, Inspector, there's nothing to indicate that he was murdered. Without going into the whys and wherefores, I must tell you that Sir Roland was head of our Eastern European Division and was on the point of preparing a memorandum that would profoundly affect the member states of the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. Mr. Banbury, 
You wouldn't have got in touch with Scotland Yard unless you yourself were pretty certain that this gentleman was murdered. Have you any other reasons for suspecting foul play other than some foreign power wanting to stop him issuing his memorandum? Well, it's not quite as simple as that. Oh? I myself think he was murdered. Assuming it was suicide, we still need your help. I might as well tell you that the servant who found the body is a member of our security organization. Well, how can we be of help if we do decide the gentleman committed suicide? Well, it's now 9.30... It's going to be absolutely impossible to keep Sir Roland's death a secret. By midday, the papers are going to carry the story. If it's suicide, certain overseas newspapers will play it up tremendously. They'll say that Sir Roland took his life because he didn't want to be a party to wicked intrigue against the Balkan states. You realize that this memorandum he was preparing was due to be presented to NATO in ten days' time. It must be murder. Because Sir Roland Makepeace was not the sort of man to take his own life? Well, frankly, at the moment, I'm not concerned with the dead man's reputation. Inspector Carr, we want it to be murder. If we can demonstrate that Sir Roland Makepeace forfeited his life, died because of his efforts to reach an understanding with Yugoslavia, we can go to the conference table with the knowledge and show that one of Britain's top foreign office officials was murdered by the enemies of Yugoslavia as well as Britain. On the other hand, if by then the inquest brings in a verdict of suicide, the ground will be cut from under our feet. Can't you prevent the inquest? It's impossible to do. I wish we could. But the law says that an inquest must be held within a reasonable space of time after death. If we break the law, the boys on the other side will play that up too. Get the message? Loud and clear. Except for one thing. Supposing I investigate his death, and my conclusions are that this gentleman took his own life. What happens then? We at the Foreign Office will have to bow to the inevitable. I'm hoping and praying it is murder. Hmm. Well, we'd better get cracking. I assume you've brought me all the relevant facts concerning Sir Rowland's age, background. Of course. I've got his personal security file here. Good. You'll find ample reasons for rejecting the theory of suicide. He was a man in late middle age, a charming wife, three married children, five grandchildren. He's, sorry, was completely integrated in every way. No financial worries? Gambling? Anything of that sort? None. Okay. What's the address? 106 Ensley Gardens, Knightsbridge. Mm-hmm. Who's in the house now? In other words, um, who knows of Sir Rowland's death? No one except Lady Makepeace and the household staff. Oh, local police haven't been brought in? No, you see, two of his staff are highly trained security men with an elementary knowledge of first aid. Sir Rowland was dead when they cut him down. Mm-hmm. Who cut him down? Uh, the butler. All right, Mr. Banbury, leave it to me. <laughs> this is the very first time in my checkered police career that I'm going to the scene of a death, hoping that the person lost his life because of a deliberate act of murder. Uh, have you sent anyone from security? Yes, there'll be a chap outside, Miller. Uh, he'll meet you and take you in. I don't want to arouse more curiosity than necessary, but I have to arrange for fingerprint experts, photographers... Of course, the body will be examined by own police surgeon. Of course. And one other thing, mustn't take this amiss. While I'm in charge of the investigation, I am in charge. In other words, I don't want any of your plainclothes men coming up to me and flaunting in my five cards. Security or no security, the scene of his death will be my zone of investigation and I will give the instructions, right? Perfectly right. Just one last thing. Oh, where was the body found? In his study. Excuse me a moment. Yes, Inspector? 
My compliments to the senior police surgeon. Tell Dr. McPherson that an extremely urgent case has cropped up. Would he meet me at transport in five minutes? Very good, sir. Well, I'll get back to Whitehall. Terrible, terrible business. If you need me urgently, Sir Roland's valet will get me on the special line. Special line? From their residence to security. Oh, right. Thank you very much. If I need you, I'll call on you. Together with my friend, the senior police surgeon, I set out for Emsley Gardens, giving the worthy doctor all the information vouchsafed by Mr. Banbury. We were met by Banbury's MI5 man, Miller. Uh, studies on the right, gentlemen. You're Inspector Carr, I take it. Uh, that's right. Um, this is Dr. McPherson, senior police surgeon. How do you do? Uh, Lady Makepeace is resting. Oh. Poor woman, she's quite distraught. I gave instructions that no one was to touch anything. Uh, that's the study. Oh. Now then, let's check our watches. What time do you make it, Mac? Uh, ten minutes past ten. You, Miller? Ditto. Mm-hmm. Do you want me to get the estimated time now? Yes, Mac, and try not to touch the clothes. <laughs> The dead man was lying on a sofa that ran along one side of the study wall. In the center of the high ceiling was a chandelier, baroque in its splendor. From it dangled a thin nylon rope. About two feet away was an overturned occasional table. Well, he seems to have taken the precaution of removing his jacket and tie. I feel I'll have to loosen his collar. Well, there's no reason why you shouldn't. It was the rope, all right, wasn't it? That's a pretty ugly wheel. Not the sort of thing one wants to look at at half past ten in the morning. It looks suicide, all right. But why remove the jacket and tie? And why not the shoes? I should have thought that it would be suicide, particularly the meticulous sort of individual, Sir Roland appears to have been, would have removed his shoes before stepping onto what uh, looks like a highly expensive and beautifully polished table. Hmm. Look, Mac... Look at that dried mud in his shoes. It was raining cats and dogs all night. I don't know. A man so worked up as to be on the point of hanging himself wouldn't worry about spoiling a table. That's not the point. Once a person plans his suicide, which he did if we accept suicide, and goes to the extent of removing his jacket and his tie, it would be almost a reflex action to remove his shoes. Now, it's pretty obvious that when he was cut down, he was placed on that sofa. I can tell you about that. I'm sorry to have kept you waiting. I heard voices and I came down. They should have told me you were here. It's all like something out of an American film, isn't it? I I still find it difficult to accept. Uh, Are you some of my husband's colleagues? I wish I could have introduced myself under better circumstances, Lady Makepeace. My name is Carr, Inspector Carr, New Scotland Yard. This is Dr. McPherson, our senior police surgeon. How do you do? How do you do, Lady Mavis? I suppose you've come for information. Is it for the inquest? Will they say that he took his life while of unsound mind? I don't believe it. Roland was tired, overworked, worried about the NATO conference. Oh, sorry. <clears throat> is there somewhere we could talk, Lady Mavis? Yes, of course. Come through here. I'll leave it to you, Mac. When you're finished, you can take a car on the driver. I'll ring when I'm ready to leave. All right, you are. Perhaps you could talk in the music room. 
Uh, you say your husband was overworked, tired. Was he depressed at all? Sometimes. His was a thankless job, Inspector. Mm -hmm. So selfish. I keep thinking what the publicity is going to do to my children and my grandchildren at school. Please sit down. Thank you. Well, of course, we shall see to it that there is a minimum of publicity. The thought of an inquest terrifies me. People will be talking about my husband as... as uh, Forgive me. Publicity is inevitable, Lady Makepeace, whenever an inquest is held, but there may not be an inquest. But... Lady Makepeace, it seems to me that there is a strong possibility that your husband did not take his own life. I don't understand. I can't justify it at the moment, but I think your husband was murdered. Oh, how horrible. Then they followed him. I must have known something like this would happen. Eh? Yes, strange people. You realize, Lady Makepeace, that a man of such importance would have security people following him in order to protect him? Protect him? How protected was he? I knew it. I couldn't accept the thought that Roland killed himself. Even if he was on the verge of a nervous breakdown, he'd never do a thing like that. Do you think he was? I don't know. He used to come home, say he had an uneasy feeling that people were following him. People who didn't belong to security. I see. I'm sorry to have to ask you this, Lady Makepeace. When did you see your husband alive last? Yesterday, about midday. Oh, dear. I've got a feeling I'm deceiving you, Inspector, that I'm not telling you the truth. I gazed at the grey-haired lady sitting upright in her chair and wondered whether she was holding something back, something vital to my investigation. Why did you use the phrase, not telling me the truth, Lady Makepeace? Because, because I would rather my husband was the victim of a murderer than the humiliating thought that Roland was willing to leave us all just like that. We who loved and respected him so much... It must have been murder. Yet it looked like suicide. Oh, I'll never forget the sight as long as I live. All those shouts from the butler. Good heavens! Lady Makepeace! Lady Makepeace! My lady, come quickly! What on earth's the matter, Hobson? It's, it's, it's Sir Roland. He's, he's hanged himself. I rushed into the study. Hobson cut the rope. Then I went to my room. I... I didn't want to lose control in front of the servants. Uh, may I suggest, Lady Makepeace, that you go and rest. And thank you for spending so much time with me. I'll go and catch Dr. McPherson. He's probably still in the study. I'm about through. What are we doing in one's life? And I see he was a brilliant diplomat. Did you learn anything? He was murdered, all right, Mac. There's absolutely no reason for this man to have taken his own life. Uh, who knows what prompts a man to commit suicide? For all we know, he might have been selling secrets to a foreign power and was afraid of discovery. Estimated time of death about 2.30. You've been reading too many lurid espionage stories, Mac. Oh, well, I'll make my report to that foreign office, Johnny. I am now convinced, Mr. Bambray, that Sir Roland Makepeace was murdered. Good heavens. Terrible thing to say, but I hope you're right. 
An awful thought to contemplate, but better than the knowledge that he committed suicide. The audacity of it. To cue one of our senior diplomats in his own home. I'll notify security and let them take over. Why? If you remember, I took on the investigation under the strict condition that But now I... it's different. Our special branch... The will... circumstances are not different at all. You've placed me in charge, and I'm far from finished. But in... I never give up halfway through an investigation, Mr. Banbury, and I don't propose to start doing so now. But what about the inquest? I'll give certain evidence and convince the coroner and jury that Sir Roland was murdered by some person or persons unknown. That is, if I don't have my suspects under lock and key before then. You say suspects. That suggests more than one involved. I think so. Now, please don't ask any more questions, Mr. Banbury. At this stage, I'll not be able to provide you with satisfactory answers. But I will in due course. Never fear. I displayed a hearty optimism I didn't exactly feel because I didn't want Mr. Banbury to use his secret powers to deprive me of the results of the investigation so far. We removed the body to the police mortuary and there I voiced my suspicions to Dr. McPherson. I'm reasonably confident that the suicide was staged. Now, were you able to tell whether Sir Roland was alive when he was strung up? Eh? Oh, he was alive all right. Otherwise, the blood wouldn't have seeped through. Had he been dead, the heart would have stopped pumping. Mm -hmm. Just uh, look at those spots of blood on the man's neck. Mm. Yes, I see. But he, he wasn't conscious, even if he was alive. Still think the suicide was a fake, do you? Oh, never. Now, be a good chap. Have another look at his scalp. Right. Must have been stunned or chloroformed or something. Uh, just a minute. Stunned. Stunned? Aye. Run your fingers over the back of his head. Oh, yeah? yeah. You feel that bump? Mm. Well, I'll... You know, I should have noticed that before. Oh, nonsense. Not with that thick matter of grey hair. Recent bump? There's no question about it. If that was an old... No, he, he could have hurt his head days ago. The bump would have subsided. He was hit less than 24 hours ago. I'd stake my reputation on it. Don't. Save it for the inquest. You're a great guy, Mac. I think I'll go and have a word with that butler. Do you live on the premises, Mr. Hobson? Yes, I do, sir. I and my wife, who acts as cook general, occupy the two attic rooms. And did you hear anything at all during the night? Well, I awoke at about uh, one or so. I, I thought I heard a taxi. Why taxi? Why not an ordinary car? Because I heard a voice say, thank you, and then the uh, taxi drove off. Tell me about the make pieces. Were they happily married? Devoted to each other, sir. Mm. All right, Mr. Hobson. I want you to tell me exactly what happened. You shouted, Lady Makepeace, come quickly, Sir Roland has hanged himself. Hmm? Yes, that's right, sir. Then what happened? I rushed to get a knife and cut the poor gentleman down. Did you knock over the occasional table? No, sir. Now, according to your statement, apart from putting Sir Roland on the sofa, you didn't touch anything. No, I did not. Who notified the police? The chauffeur. Patterson did. All right. Thank you. Oh, uh, is there anything else you can tell me? Well, what is there to say? <laughs> well, nothing at the moment. Thank you. Taxi, you say? You want a general call for a taxi driver who dropped a fare at 106 Emsley Gardens. 
Very good, Inspector. Yes, I want you to get through to the Foreign Office, too. Find out what time Sir Roland Matepeace left Whitehall and what transport arrangements were made by security. Right, sir. Quickly as you can. Yes? Can I come in? Oh, just the man I want. Oh, please do come in, Mr. Banbury. I was about to telephone you. Any news? Plenty. Sit down. Thank you. Uh, it's now a foregone conclusion that Sir Roland did not commit suicide. In my opinion, the murderers had nothing to do with the machinations of some foreign power. But that's incredible. I mean, who... Oh, never mind that now. According to Lady Makepeace, her husband was working under such pressure that he had a room at the foreign office where he occasionally stayed the night. Yes? Uh, excuse me. Yes? I telephoned Whitehall, sir. Security says Sir Roland telephoned his wife at about quarter to nine telling her that he would be staying the night at the Foreign Office in order to complete the memorandum on the Balkan Conference. Mm -hmm. However, he called for a Foreign Office car at 2.15. I see. Thank you. Did you know that Sir Roland was due to spend last night at the Foreign Office? I saw him there at 10 o'clock. He told me that if he didn't complete his memorandum, he'd work through the night. But he obviously didn't do so. It's less than 10 minutes from Whitehall to Wensley Gardens. That means that the driver dropped him at about 2.25. Unless... Well, let's see what happens about the taxi. So, uh, this is your statement, Mr. Baines. Hmm? Oh, would you care to read it through? All right, sir. In response to a telephone call received at a taxi rank at the corner of Brook and Sackville Streets, I proceeded to 18 Cadogan Square. I rang the bell... A gentleman answered immediately and asked me to take him to 106 Ensley Gardens. We arrived at the destination at approximately 20 past one. He paid me off, and I drove back to the rank, and that's all I know. Thank you very much, Mr. Banks. Uh, Sergeant, we're calling on 18 Cadogan Square. In the meantime, get through to control, find out if the occupant of the flat is home... Uh, you, Mr. Baines, will come with me for purposes of identification. I'll see that you're suitably recompensed for a lot of time. What on earth's all this about? I was just on the point of going to bed. All right, Mr. Baines, was this your fare? That seems, sir. Will somebody please tell Inspector me... Inspector Carr, New Scotland Yard. Oh, uh, it's my warrant card. You took a taxi at twenty past one this morning. You took it to 106 Ensley Gardens. Well, so what? Is that a crime? That's what I'm trying to find out, Mr. Duke. Oh, your name is Duke, isn't it? So it says. Yes, my name is Duke. I don't know what all this is about. Who did you go to see at 106 Ensley Gardens? Well... Uh, I think you'd better come with me. There are one or two questions we want to ask you. Oh, on second thoughts, we won't go back to the yard... We'll call on Lady Makepeace. Sorry to have had to telephone you at this atrocious hour. You didn't waken Lady Makepeace, I trust? You said it was unnecessary, sir. Mr. Duke. Hi, Hobson. Uh, <clears throat> won't you come through, gentlemen? Thank you. Let's go into the study, shall we? Did you let Mr. Duke in last night, Hobson? Last night? No, sir. I didn't see Mr. Duke last night. Through here, gentlemen. 
When did you see Mr. Duke last? I've uh, only seen this gentleman once or twice. Why, sir? Got your own key, Mr. Duke? This is nonsense. Key? Who let you in? Well... Oh, come on, Mr. Duke. You said you called round last night. Mr. Hobson, the butler, was asleep. Who let you in? Uh, Rosalind. Lady Makepeace. My compliments to Lady Makepeace. Would you come down, please? Sir. Do as I say as a good chap. Very good, sir. Duke. Hmm? Your face is familiar to me, Mr. Duke. I suppose I'm permitted to ask what this is all about. Don't tell me you haven't read in the newspapers that Sir Roland has been found dead. I heard it on the radio. Then why do you want to know what it's all about? What do you think I'm doing here? Well, I'll be... Flash, Duke. <laughs> I haven't seen you since you used to work the boats. I remembered him all right. Flash Duke started off in life as a professional dancing partner for the transatlantic shipping line. Took to card shopping, gambling, confidence trickery. Uh, it's all beginning to fall into a pattern. Particularly when Lady Rosalind arrived. I resent being dragged from my bed. Mr. Duke tells me that he paid you a call at 20 minutes past one last night. Rosalind, the taxi driver... I might have known. You contemptible little gutter snipe. The first sign of danger and you confess everything. Shut up, you idiot. But the damage was done. I arrested them both. Poor Sir Roland Makepeace. While he was busy serving his country, this charming grey-haired grandmother was being escorted by Flash Duke. Whether he hit Sir Roland with a blackjack on impulse, as he said in the trial, and then strung the husband up in order to fake a suicide, or whether the whole thing was premeditated from the beginning in order that Lady Makepeace should inherit Sir Roland's not inconsiderable wealth, was not clearly established. Both paid the penalty for the crime. But what was the clue that convinced me it was murder and not suicide? Not sure. If you remember, Dr. McPherson and I looked at the shoes. Look at the mud on the shoes. Rain cats and dogs all night. Yet the overturned occasional table was as clean as a new pin. Got it now? Of course, what really happened was that the poor husband arrived back, Duke coshed him, tied one end of the rope to the bracket of the chandelier and the other round the neck of the unfortunate foreign office official who was strangled to death. The moral of the story, ladies... If you decide to string your husband along, that's your business. When you string him up, that's ours. Good night. The Epic Casebook was produced by Michael Silver for the makers of Epic Pure Sunflower Oil, Maple Margarine, Yum Yum Peanut Butter, and Niblet's Cheese Twists, with Hugh Ross as Inspector Carr. Listen again next Thursday night at 9.30 to another exciting story from our Epic Casebook. (laughs) 